0: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all gone unfinished on projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack... It's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and adjust a few taps. You can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home
1: projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. Hey, everybody this is very exciting i'm being joined by a fellow talk show host host of the amber ruffin show amber ruffin how are you amber
0: yay i'm nice how are you
1: <laughs> i'm good uh so just so everybody knows, know we're talking on wednesday <laughs> on friday you're going to be doing the third episode of the amber ruffin show i know it's very early in your run you are doing it from the studio that you've appeared in multiple times because it's the same as late night but how is it so far
0: it Is nuts, man. So, basically, all these people, like, show up and put in work so that you can doof around. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, grown men and women kiss their children and then come here (laughs) and put me in a bee costume. It makes no sense.
1: It really... And again, I've come to appreciate it in the same way over, you know, almost two decades of working in this building with the best people in the world in whatever their chosen field is. And the pandemic really brought that back into focus for me when you had to do it alone and realized, oh, it is so much easier to be around people that just take that part out of your thought process.
0: Yeah. Who are good at it.
1: Do you think it would be a trippier thing right now if you were doing it in a different studio somewhere else in the city or, or in a different city?
0: I do think that would feel a little bit sad.
1: Yeah. Because
0: we come here with almost no one here, but like the eight people that are here are my little friends because I've known them for six years. So that's fun.
1: I want to ask about how you put together your writing staff. Jenny Hagel, who is a writer on this show, and you guys do jokes, uh, can't tell together. And it should be noted that Jenny, you are the reason she works at this show. You basically came in one day to Shoemaker and I and put down her um, application and said, or I should say her writing sample and said, we're gonna hire her. And then <laughs> you guys, then the two of you though, went out and found three other writers for your show. Do you wanna just talk a little bit about that?
0: Each rough show writer is better than the last.
1: <laughs> oh, now uh, you they're... can't, now you have to do it in a random order. <laughs>
0: There. I'm, oh, yeah, no, I know. But they uh, all wrote for me for when I hosted the Webbies and when I hosted the Writers Guild Awards. So I knew them from there. Dwayne and Shantira are Second City guys. So I also know them from there. And the co host of The Amber Ruffin Show, Tarek Davis, me and Tarek. And Jenny used to do an improv show here. And Dwayne and Shantira used to do the improv show with us. And I'm just realizing that. That's almost the whole improv show is working on the show. But uh, also I found Demi from Twitter. And I just think he's hilarious. And he's also the September 21st guy, which is just. I found that out
1: after. I didn't Uh, know he was the September 21st guy. That's fantastic. He's the Freaking September 21st, guy. So, you know, I think it's been tricky to figure out how to do a late night show like ours during a pandemic. But at least we had all the pieces in place, right? You guys are starting from scratch. I think it's an incredibly high level of difficulty. I think most of your writers, if I'm correct, don't even live in New York City. No one does. So you're all doing it uh, via Zoom, via email. What are you looking forward to more, being in the same room with your writers or having an audience?
0: Being in the same room with the writers, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. The audience now, well, lucky for me, I do think that I'm an extremely happy person. And I think the reason why is because I have a very bad memory. (laughs) So like, but now I'm like, well, you know, an audience wasn't much different. I I truly, (laughs) the memory of having an audience is starting to fade away. And it is nice though, because you forget. The audience, like, yeah, and they can be riled up and they can give you energy, but they can also not like your Yeah. They can bring you down real hard and it's your fault because you wrote something bad. Well, but it is. There's a, none of that.
1: I've had the exact same thing, which is the more I think about it. And again, I look forward to having an audience back because you, you know, again, you remember jokes that you tell that, you know, the audience loves it and, and that obviously elevates your ego. But most of our egos are pretty fragile. So... You know, it's like a little bit of good when they laugh, but it's a lot of bit of bad when they don't. And so I could of I don't know. There's something I have this nice optimism going into each show, which is nothing's going to bomb. Or if it does, I'm not going to know.
0: <laughs> I totally feel that way. I feel like I have replaced the silence with a standing ovation. Yeah. And at the end of every friggin joke in my You hear nothing. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, she's really sticking it to him. (laughs) Yippee.
1: (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about our history, uh, our shared history. So uh, we were both Chicago improvisers. Didn't know each other in Chicago. We both worked at Boom Chicago, which is a improv comedy theater in Amsterdam that some Chicago guys started. I was there 97 to 99 but I went back a lot, and that's when I first saw you. When did you get hired there?
0: I got hired there in 2004. Gotcha. Well, I was there for New Year's when it became 2004. Excellent. And then I stayed until 2006. Then I came back 2008 to eleven. Yeah, so this is that's really
1: interesting think. because you came back and you worked at Second City in that gap, right? Yeah. And it should be noted that a lot of people, a lot of our friends spent time at Boom Chicago, and it has been an incredible jumping off point for people's career, be it Jason Sudeikis, Ike Barinholtz, Jordan Peele, uh, Kay Cannon, Josh Myers, and nobody, but nobody went back. I think you're the one person who decided (laughs) they missed it. And again, I missed it, too, but it never occurred to me to go back. What was your decision to go back to Amsterdam after those two years away?
0: I went back to Amsterdam because I liked the thought of having a regular paycheck. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I did like that. Like, boom is hard. Boom Chicago was an extremely hard job, and it took me so long to get the hang of it. So like the, almost the whole first year I was there, it was rough. But then that second year, baby was so good. It was so good that I thought, I'm, I'm just going to go do more of this. And for those three years are almost untouchable.
1: That's great. I mean, it is like once you figure out that city, once you figure out that culture, there are very <laughs> few places on earth I love more than that. And I will say, you know, the Dutch aren't the biggest laughers. So if you can make it work there, I feel as though everywhere else. Basically, a Dutch audience sounds like uh, the audience now with no people. Like <laughs> Basically, you you're doing it. the Amber Ruffin show in front of like uh, like a bunch of uh, a corporate show in Eindhoven is about this.
0: I don't feel that way about Dutch people. I feel like Dutch people laugh at everything.
1: They were happy to see you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I had, you know, I did two years there and I thought a lot about going back because it was that it, up until that point in my life, it was certainly the both, you know, the most creatively satisfied I was, uh, the happiest I was. It was such an incredible adventure to be over there. Uh, now, this is the other thing that's uh, insane about your personal history, which is two tours in Amsterdam and yet your husband, who's Dutch from Amsterdam, correct? Yeah. You did not meet him there. I did not meet my you Dutch husband to, in you Amsterdam. You managed to spend five total years in Amsterdam, and then you married a <laughs> Dutch guy you met in New York.
0: <laughs> That's right. So we insane. were on tour from Boom Chicago. So we were doing a show. We had just done a show with you. Yes. You were in the bar. I was standing outside the bar smoking delicious cigarettes when my husband walked down, when some guy walked down the street, and we started talking. And then look at us now, bud. <laughs> we're all back here. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's cra- I mean, it's crazy that we met in New York while we both lived in Amsterdam. But it's triple crazy that now we live here.
1: Yeah. And, and we were all all three of us. We're in the same yeah. place. And then we've uh, we, we've continued to we've continued to serve each other. We've continued to be of use to one another. This is really cool. I think, you know, people are aware of your work on Late Night, a lot of different parts of it. Amber says what? Uh, The aforementioned jokes that can't tell. You did a really uh, special, moving, important thing the week after the George Floyd protests was you shared your stories of interactions with the police. And I think for a lot of people, you know, myself included, it was really eye opening. I think we all I think someone like myself thought, oh, I'm sure you've had a bad interaction with the police, right? I knew enough to know that. I did not know the depths of it or how many there were. And then you and your uh, sister uh, wrote a book. Yes. And it's maybe not as, um, it's maybe a slightly different tone, but it is <laughs> it is similar in that it, it serves as an education to people who I think understand that there are issues of race in this country, but maybe don't quite realize how... How much of it affects you, someone like you, someone like your sister, day in and day out?
0: Yeah, everyone. It's everyone. It's everywhere. It's everything. Uh, my sister and I wrote a book called You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacy." Crazy stories of racism. So my sister lives in Omaha, Nebraska, where we both grew up. And she is usually a director at an old folks home. That's usually what her job is. So... When something racist happens, she has to write it down and she has to report it. She has to. So she just was writing them down officially, but then also would just write down the funny ones and like (laughs) the ridiculous ones, all of which they all have to be reported. But then it just became, oh, my God, there are so many stories. And I didn't even know she had been keeping journals of it. So then when I asked her to write this book, she was like, I asked her to write it because she calls me every day talking about, you will never believe what Curtis said to me in the driveway. And I called her and I asked her and she said, that's great because I've been keeping this journal and the number of stories. It was so much more than I thought. And I know her and I talk to her every day and it's even more than I could have imagined. It's a lot. And they're hilarious. Like there are enough stories where... We got to separate the like sad, weird stories and just are only telling the stories with punchlines. And it's still so
1: many. Can you give us an example of something that uh, happened to Lacey that we wouldn't believe?
0: (laughs) Yes, this is the first story in the book. And it's one of my favorites. Lacey used to have checks that had um, they were like black history checks, you know, so it had Martin Luther King and blah, blah, blah on it. And so she wrote a check for something and it had a picture of Harriet Tubman on it. So she paid the cashier. The cashier takes the check and goes, Oh my gosh, you have checks with your picture on it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like a special picture of Harriet Tubman, it's the picture you're thinking of. Right. And Lacey looks exactly like
1: I look. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we laughed about it forever. That lady still doesn't know who Harriet Tubman is, wherever she sure. is.
1: Uh, has Omaha taken ownership of Amber Ruffin these last few years? Are they proud of you?
0: I mean, my little friends are. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I hope so. I like to think so. You know what? I'm going to make them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Second, all
0: this is lifted. I'm going to go over there and mix it up.
1: The last thing I'm going to ask you is that, uh, a lot of people might not know this about you. You have some gymnastics in your background.
0: (laughs) I did gymnastics when I was young. I was not good at it. But then I became a gymnastics coach which I was kind of good at. And I really thought I was going to be a gymnastics coach forever.
1: And then what happened that got you from Omaha to Chicago? Because that was direct, right? There was no stops in between.
0: There was no stops in between. I used to do theater and then theater turned into improv. And then we would go to the improv festival in Chicago. And then I was like, this is great. I'm moving here. And then I did.
1: So fantastic. What did your uh, family think when you told them that?
0: They love it. They love everything. There's nothing I can say to my family to get them to go, hey, hey, whoa, no, no, none of that.
1: You're the youngest, right? Yes,
0: I'm the youngest. I've never had a curfew. (laughs) No one's telling me what to do.
1: (laughs) You were gone. You were in Chicago for a year before they noticed you were gone. (laughs) They're like, you moved?
0: Oh, that's nice. Good for you.
1: How do you feel about Friday? How set are you?
0: This next show... This Friday show is going to be the one where I'm like, when when I thought, oh, the Abe Ruffin show, oh, I can do whatever I want. This was the show that I was thinking. (laughs) So we'll see. There's a lot emotionally for me riding on this show because this is (laughs) me, basically.
1: And I should, in case anyone's listening, who's curious, who hasn't picked up on the important part here, this show, the Amber Ruffin show, is on Peacock. And that is a free uh, streaming service, NBC's new free uh, streaming service. So you can just sign up for it and you can watch Amber. Her show is on every Friday. And I think it's basically available to watch by around eight o'clock Friday night, right?
0: I think it's nine. And I think you're right. OK. And also what should be said Seth and I are down the hallway from each
1: other. We are.
0: And we are talking on Zoom.
1: It's true. Which is I, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you do you want to make one last plea to the um, the corporate, uh, the brass, if you will? Because you're right now, um, you're basically squatting in NBC Sports. <laughs> and you really like The Office. And you'd like to keep it.
0: Hey, listen, powers that be at NBC, ain't nobody from NBC Sports here <laughs> ever. You guys, it's our show and then our studios in between is NBC Sports and no one is ever in here. I have worked in this building for six years. I've seen two people come in and out of here. NBC Sports, they're the squatters. Yeah. We should be here already. You know what? Give me a phone number. I'm going to call someone, <laughs> and give them a talking to.
1: It does have this sort of staff of a Cayman Islands front for a company that's avoiding taxes. That's the about of people that are usually in the NBC sports.
0: It's so abandoned.
1: It sure yeah, I should someone... know. They're in a different place, but they're sort of holding on to this, this prime, uh, prime hallway real estate. And look, God bless. But right now I feel like Amber is thriving. She's doing great work. She likes where she is. It's true. I love it here. Um. All right, Amber. Well, I'll see you next, like passing you in the hallway. Um, okay. Will you please tell everybody what kind of mask I wear?
0: Seth wears a mask that says the Amber Ruffin show. <laughs> I
1: do. And it's really like, I will say that, and this is a tribute to you. When I walk down the hallway, uh, the amount of crew members who were like, love your mask. Like you're a fan favorite. <laughs>
0: uh, you're good. a fan
1: favorite and, uh, on the eighth floor. All right, I love you. This is really I love fun. you so bad. Uh, break a leg on Friday. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I'm so happy uh, that you have your own well-deserved show. And that was Amber Ruffin, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Yay! Woo-hoo! Late
0: Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night Podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night Podcast wherever they get their podcasts.
1: Welcome to Pura, the most
0: pristine, safe,